Hello, welcome to another episode of Crime Spree. Thank you. It's good. I tried to make that Game of Thrones cocktail that's going everywhere. Have you seen that? The the Negroni Spagliato with Prosecco. Um, yeah, well, I had, we didn't have any Campari, so I went to go make it and then I didn't. But then um, we were at a bar this past weekend and the bartender made me a chai old fashioned and I was like, thank you, this is delicious. And so I just made one of those instead. Yeah, how's it going? Yeah, you are. Okay, okay. Oh my god, that's funny. So what's the last, like... Um, yeah, but that's kind of vague. Who was, like, the last person to die? And we don't need... <laughs> Damn. <laughs> so that's like half the cast. Yeah, that was tough. No! Everything happens in like the penultimate episode of the season. So this next episode of House of Dragon is about to like blow my mind, I'm sure. Yeah, it was tough. So that was probably the first, hold on, I need to mute this um, group chat that I'm in because it's all of my like, I was on the college paper in college, obviously, um, and like a bunch of them are still journalists and then there's been some like news with like Gannett and stuff like that happening and they're like popping off and I'm like, I'm so sorry. Um, okay, so Rob watched Game of Thrones before I did. And he, I think he was like an avid fan from the beginning or at least very early on, but he would just watch it. Like when we were dating, he would just watch it and I would just sit there and like do homework or like read or whatever and just sort of like pay attention. And the Red Wedding was literally the first scene I ever saw of the entire show. And I was like, why would you watch this? That is horrible. And then there's a couple of other like very pivotal moments. Like there is a scene where you learn more about John's mom and I was just like, holy shit. Yeah, good rinse to him. It was so justified too. And you know the guy that played him? He talks about like how he quit acting because he, one, he got typecast. And then two, like everybody hated him as if he were like actually Joffrey. And he's like, you know, that's just like a character, right? <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, but I think it's different because, like, I know Jamie Lee Curtis from, like, Freaky Friday. And, like, obviously I know her from Halloween, but, like, I saw Freaky Friday first because I saw that, like, as a child and I couldn't watch Halloween for a while. I actually did 
this is a funny story. So we had the first Halloween on DVD and my stepmother is one of those like chaotic people that like does not put CDs or DVDs back in the case that they're supposed to be in. So they just be like floating, just chilling. And so I found the DVD one day and it just said Halloween on it. And I was like, okay. And I just popped that bitch in the DVD player and started watching it. And it was like a horror movie. And I just remember there's like a scene where one of the girls right before she gets killed, I think she like had just had sex or something, but she's like naked and she sort of sits up and she like slips the bedsheet off of her and you just see like her boobs, like full nude and everything. And then she gets like murdered. And I was just like, oh my God. I think I was... I was young because I was I'm I was in our basement and we remodeled that basement when I was in fourth or fifth grade. Yeah, I'm in elementary school. And I just remember being like, oh my god. And yeah, it was wild. No. But what's funny is I don't really remember anything else besides that point. Scream's my favorite slasher. I love it. Okay, so I actually quit watching the new ones. Because um, I think... Okay, so there was one with Emma... Uh, what's her last name? There's too many Emmas. Yeah, I saw the one with Emma Roberts. And that one was fine. Um, I did not like the third one. I think the one with Emma Roberts was the fourth or fifth. And then I haven't seen the new one. Yeah. I loved, like, the first one is really good, and the second one is, like, a good sequel. Like, the sequel's never as good as the original, like, nine times out of ten. But this, it, that one was like, alright, that's good. You know, I liked it. And I liked, they had filmed, like, multiple, or at least they wrote multiple endings. I think we talked about this. Um, so that you couldn't, like, leak the script ahead of time. So there was, like, many different possibilities of who it could have been. Yeah, I don't know if they filmed them. Probably not, because I bet if they filmed them, they would have released it. But I think they wrote multiple scripts. Yeah. Yeah. Cersei also just hated Tyrion. So she's like, she's like, I don't care if you did it or not, but like, you're ass about to die. <laughs> Tywin is actually one of my favorite characters. Not that he's like likable, but he's just a really good character within the show. You know what I mean? Like he's very dynamic. But he's just, he's this little mastermind behind all these little plans you know, and he's really good at playing, like, the Game of Thrones. You know what I mean? Yeah, him and um, Marjorie Tyrell, I think, are both very, very good at it. And honestly, so... I love Marjorie. Okay. 
Yeah. Yeah. Okay, yeah. That was another thing that I knew ahead because I think the first season that I started watching, there was like a big like there was a season finale that was like, Did he or did he not die? And like I started watching it like episode one, like, Oh my god, he's alive. So that like that didn't address that didn't hit me in any way possible. Like the weight of that. Jon Snow. Ooh, I bet he got some good tips. See, that's why I had to quit waitressing. I got less hot, so I was like, all right. <laughs> I was like, okay, well, it's time to retire. These tips ain't tipping no more, so. Yeah. I also can't drink like I used to. It's just too... Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Ooh. We're too old for that. <gasps> oh my god. I was watching, um, I'm rewatching The Vampire Diaries, which I highly recommend for the fall. I also haven't seen it in forever. Huh? I, I think it is so good, but it is really funny watching it as an adult. Because, like, all of this Damon, like, angst, like, will they, won't they? And the whole time I'm like, he needs to go to therapy. And until he does, you don't even need to look at him. Like, this is ridiculous. This man is 167 years old. He never took his ass to therapy. But anyways, there's a scene where it's somebody's birthday. And they're like, we're just gonna, um, go get drunk, like, in this old abandoned church or whatever. And they're just drinking straight tequila. And I'm like, I can't even fathom doing that anymore like over and over again especially like the kind of tequila that I would have been able to afford at 17 18 years old which would have been like orange oh I'm like there's no salt like y'all aren't gonna chill it at least yeah oh it's horrible I'm like there's no limes like oh but I probably would have done the same thing when I was their age so but I'm like I don't I think I'm too old for this now yeah <laughs> I can't imagine drinking, like, Fireball. Yeah. Oh, my God. I went on spring break one time, and this girl the entire time the only thing she this is like all the liquor that she brought with her was fireball and apple juice and even at like 22 years old i was like i'm gonna vomit <laughs> i'm happy for you but like good lord
Yeah. Hmm. In the hot sun, sitting on the beach. Yes. Okay, so other things to watch. Have you been watching Dahmer? Okay, so I made it about 15 minutes into the first episode, and I was like, I'm about to vomit from anxiety, and I quit. I think it's just, I don't know what it is about reading it on, I do know the story, but I think it's just like reading it on a page or listening to it on a podcast, there's a certain level of separation versus when you have to watch it on a screen. It's like, I can understand that he like molested and raped these men and then like you know truly just took advantage of them but I don't want to like watch it happen you know what I mean yeah and it just it stressed me out because the whole time in my body I'm like how's he gonna get out of this and it's like I know he's not gonna like the victim like I know he's not gonna get out of this like he's not gonna get out of the apartment the neighbor's not gonna come help him but I'm like oh my god please just get out like I just want to help you and I was like, I can't, I don't know. It was just harder. And I think maybe it's just, it, it's, I guess there's a certain privilege with it being on a podcast that you can separate yourself to that to an extent. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. I would agree. Yeah. Yeah, at least in slasher films, I mean, regardless of the, just, the technical capabilities that they had at the time, they make it sort of ridiculous on purpose. They make it, like, over the top. That's sort of the point, is to be like, how crazy is this? And to that I appreciate, like, there's actually these um, scary movies that came out, they're called the Fear Street movies on Netflix last Halloween, and they are very gory they're very intense with a couple of the deaths but it's also like so over the top like that would never actually happen like these machines like would not perform that on like a human body i don't know it's just very different so and i think another thing with watching it on tv is like there's two different senses happening like you're watching it and you're hearing it and it's just sort of this like overload whereas when i'm reading it or just listening to it i don't know it's just different I don't, I don't think, I'm, I'll probably try again, but I think if I, if I have to tap out, that's okay.
Yeah. So, I'm sorry. That's a true story? <gasps> no, it's not. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh my god. Okay, so I saw the preview for that, and I was like, I watched the entire thing, and I was like, that looks dumb as hell. <laughs> but now that I know that it's real, that's, like, creepier. Ooh, October 5th, 13th. And I need to watch Sins of Our Mother, which is the Lori Vallow. Oh my god. I've listened to all those stories, like, on different podcasts, but I need to watch the actual... She's crazy nuts. Is she supposed to be... Isn't their trial starting? Or it did start? Okay, I was about to say. Because it got delayed, like, a couple times. They were like, she's mentally incompetent to stand trial. I'm like, no shit, Sherlock. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. Yeah, the one, yeah. Colby, I think is his name. I think it's Colby. I think because Tylee and JJ are the ones that have passed. Yeah. I, um, speaking of sinful mothers, so this is not true crime news, but I read the Jeanette McCurdy, um, I'm glad my mom died memoir. So I had to re-sign up for therapy afterwards. I was like, wow, I got some trauma I gotta work through on this one. Oh man, but it is so good. Like, it's fascinating. She splits it up into chunks, but it's just really, really good. And I think the way that she describes, like, working through it, because I, and especially, like, she was a public figure. And so, like, when iCarly finished and then when, like, Sam and Cat got canceled, like, there were all these news. And I had, like, a very not, like, kind image of her, like, as a person. Like, the whole story was, like, she canceled the show because she wasn't getting paid enough money and, like, blah, 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 blah. And, like, none of that was true. And I didn't realize any of that. So... It's, um, I don't know. It's really, really good. And a lot of it is like, it talks about like her mother, but it also talks about like her issues with like her eating disorder. Um, like just certain beliefs she had, like growing up Mormon and just things like that. It was fascinating. No, I think it's like 300 pages. Yeah. And it's, I mean, some of it is definitely pretty heavy, but I guess it depends on how much time you dedicate reading it, but I got to like the last hundred pages and I was like, I'm not going to bed until I finish this. And I did. So it was really, really good. Same. It's time to hibernate. That's funny. Oh. 
We absolutely should. We should specifically talk about some Alaskan murders inspired by your recent trip to Alaska. I'm so happy for you. So actually yesterday, um, I did a true crime poll and it was on our Instagram and it was like, what state are you most likely to be murdered by a serial killer in? And okay. So in actuality, based on like percentage, like per capita, you are most likely to be murdered by a serial killer in Washington, DC, which I would not have expected that. But then second was Alaska, which I actually thought was the winner. Um, yeah, I think it's just based on the concentration of people. So I Googled it thinking like, oh, it's going to be Alaska and this will be great to tee up like our theme this week and it was Washington, D.C. But Alaska came in second. And then did you see who came in third? No, Louisiana. Is that not insane? So California has the most, has like the highest number, period. But it's also because they're so big. But so if you base it like percentage wise, Louisiana came in third, which I was not expecting that either. Yeah, me neither. Yeah, but it's not as densely populated as like California. I know, God bless them. Okay, so my story today, because I think I go first, right? Yeah. Um, is on Robert Hansen, the butcher baker of Alaska. Okay, so we're actually going to start our story in 1983 with a young woman named Cindy Paulson, and she is a 17-year-old sex worker, and she's out, you know, working, and she gets offered $200 by a, name, a man named Robert Hansen to perform oral sex. And Robert Hansen is not a very particularly, like, overbearing type gentleman. You know, he's very, like, meek. He's not, like, super fit. I think he's only, like, 5'6", if I remember. So he's not very, like, you know, dominant looking. And she's like, okay. So she gets in his car, and he immediately pulls a gun on her. And then he drives her straight to his home in Anchorage. And there, he changes her to a post in the den, and then rapes her and tortures her. And then he takes her to the basement, where he chains her by the neck to a post. And then he takes a nap. <laughs> and then he wakes up, and he handcuffs her, and he says that he's going to take her out to his cabin. So he puts her in the car, tells her to hide, and he drives to the Merrillfield Air Airport in downtown Anchorage. And all along, he tells her if she tries to run or she tries to cry for help, he will kill both her and the person that she's trying to contact. So she doesn't do anything. So they get to the airport, and he goes to the private hangar, and he's loading the cockpit of his personal airplane. And it's like, he's not like a rich, like, oh, this is my private plane type situation. It's just like a personal airplane that he has. And Cindy sort of sees this as an opportunity, and she jumps out of the backseat, and she starts running. But she has the smart idea beforehand to leave her shoes in the floorboard of the car as evidence that she was there. But she's barefoot, and she's handcuffed, and she just starts booking it, like, straight out of the airport hangar. And, oh, I don't know. I think it's June. Yeah. Yeah, she's not, like, running in three feet of snow. Um, 
she runs straight to Sixth Avenue. She flags down a truck driver, and he, for some God bless this man, stops the car, stops the truck, and picks her up. And then he takes her straight to the ho- hotel that she's been living at. And as soon as he drops her off, he calls the police. They arrive and they find her alone, barefoot, and handcuffed. And she's like terrified. So she describes her attacker as best she can his car, his home, the gun he used, like everything. And then she's like, drive me to the airport hangar and I will point out the plane that he was trying to load, which is genius because they do. And when they do, they're able to identify who he is. They ask the security guard. The security guard is able to pull the license plate number of a man named Robert Hansen. And he is the local baker and a family man with wife and two kids. They bring him in and he admits that he did solicit services from Cindy But then he was like, but I didn't attack her. Like she, we agreed to this set amount and she tried to extort extra money from me. And I told her no. So now he's, she's just trying to cause all this trouble to like ruin me because that's exactly what a sex worker would do like in such a situation. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 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 Right. She's got plenty of work. Yeah. But he's just like, well, she wanted more money. And when I told her no, she decided to call us all. And it's like, so you think a sex worker, because they're not going to make enough money, is going to run to the police and stage a crime when they're in the middle of committing a crime. Anyways, so that logic doesn't check out. Yeah. So he gets brought in, he admits it, blah, blah, blah. But additionally, he has an airtight alibi provided by two of his friends. And when I say airtight alibi, that's like in quotations marks. So, but he's got this alibi and the police are like, all right, well, we got to let him go. There's nothing more we can do about it. So let's talk about this terrible human being, Robert Hansen. He was born in 1939. He's originally from Esterville, Iowa, and he's the son of a Danish immigrant baker who was not exactly the warmest or fuzziest of parents. Um, as a teenager, Hansen had severe acne and he had a stutter, so he was bullied a lot by his peers. And as a result, he preferred more solitary activities. He wasn't a big team sport player. He liked to do things like hunting and archery. So at 18, he joins the military, he serves one year in the Army Reserves, and then he becomes an assistant drill instructor at the police academy. And then when he's 21, he marries his first wife. And just a few months later, he was arrested for burning down the Pocahontas County Board of Education school bus garage as an act of revenge for the bullying that he experienced as a teenager. He was given a three-year sentence for which he he served 20 months of. 
While in prison, he was diagnosed uh, with manic depression, including periodic schizophrenic episodes. And then the psychiatrist noted that Hansen had, quote, infantile personality and was obsessed with revenge. And then while he was in prison, his wife, which is probably the best decision of her life, decided to go ahead and file for divorce. So she got the hell out of Dodge on that one. So then a few years go by. In 1967, he goes on to have a few more run-ins, things like petty theft and stuff like that. But eventually he remarries, and then he has two children and decides that he's going to move to Alaska and open a bakery just like his dad did. And the new local baker begins to make friends. He pals around with the police officers that like to stop in for a cup of coffee every now and then. He sets local hunting records because hunting is a huge recreation sport in Alaska. Um, all sort of well. He's just a devoted husband, father, all that. So for a few years, all is chill until he is arrested back to back in December of 1971. So the first, he was arrested for abducting and attempting to rape an unnamed woman, for which he pled no contest to assault with a deadly weapon. Then he was arrested again for raping an unnamed sex worker, which was dropped through a plea deal bargain. And plea deal, plea bargain. He was sentenced to five years, but after six months, he was placed on work release and moved to a halfway house. Five years later, he pled guilty to theft for stealing a chainsaw. He was sentenced to five years, which I would just like to point out real quick was the same amount of time he was sentenced to the previous crimes he committed. So apparently stealing a chainsaw is the equivalent of assault on not one, but two different women at two different periods of time. But anyways, um, and so for this theft, he was arrested, but he was required to seek psychiatric treatment as a result. Um, which, spoiler alert, didn't really help. Okay, so the murders. So it is suspected that Hansen began his murder spree around 1972, which is, um, like, it was, it was when those back-to-back -back arrests happened for the assault on women. He has one of the freakiest MOs I have ever heard. He would pick up a sex worker or an exotic dancer, what have you, he would then rape her at gunpoint. Then he would use this personal plane of his to fly her out to a secluded area near his hunting cabin, accessible only by boat or plane, set her loose into the wild, and then hunt her. Literally hunt her down, like track and hunt her down and shoot her with a gun or an archery bow. Is that not the scariest thing you've ever heard? That's like literally out of a freaking horror movie. Yes, literally, that's it. It's some Ramsey BS. So, it's it's very, very creepy. So, this brings us full circle back to the beginning of our story with Cindy Paulson. So, while the police were reluctant to bring in Hanson for Cindy's attack, they were suspicious of a serial killer running around. And because, like, these sex workers and dancers, they were going missing, two bodies were found in the same area as... Um, Hanson's cabin, which again is only accessible by air or water, but they really didn't have any like concrete proof. So they bring in everybody's favorite FBI criminal profiler, John Douglas. And he writes a profile and here's the profile of the serial killer that he believes that they are looking at. I know it. Okay. 
I'm like, how did you nail, like, how do you write the profile, then identify, like, I need the person first, and then I can write a profile. From okay, so anyways, here's the profile. Experienced hunter, low self-esteem, history of being rejected by women, most likely had a stutter. Like, check, 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 check. Um, and then he also said that the serial killer would probably like to keep trophies from his victims, like personal um, effects of theirs as like, essentially, you know, the way that you have hunting trophies, I guess, would be the equivalent for Hanson. So the police get a search warrant and they they make a point to say, like looking for personal effects or trophies that would not belong to anybody in Robert's family. So they don't find anything in his bakery. They don't find anything at the airplane. But then they go to his home and they search. And in the attic, they pull up the insulation and they find the exact gun that Cindy Paulson described in her attack. And then in the den, they find a secret panel that is filled with jewelry and personal items of women, including a necklace that one victim was known to wear on a daily basis. And then behind the headboard in his room, which is actually a really good hiding spot um there is an aviation map of the area near his cabin and it's marked with tiny x's all over the map detonate denoting the kill and burial sites of all of his victims including several victims that they knew already so they bring in all of this evidence and hansen just like admits it like he just confesses like he's no he's caught and I mean, obviously, I don't want to say that's, like, a nice thing, but that is, like, the nicest form of cowardice that I can think of. Like, at the bare minimum, he just confesses. He doesn't force these families to, like, go through trial. Like, I'm not saying that that's, like, a good thing, but it's, like, the, the like, one shred of a decent thing he could possibly do. Yeah. Yeah. And it sucks. So he confesses, um, and he confesses to a total of 17 murders and 30 rapes. Um, police actually believe that there are more. Um, he had something like 24 X's on his map, I think. Uh, it may have been 30. I can't remember, but he only confessed to 17. So I don't know if it was like, some may have been burial sites or maybe those were like what he was planning on killing, but he hadn't done it yet. Um, during the trial, the assistant DA, uh, whose name I did not write down. I just wrote assistant DA. Um, sorry about that. He told the judge, quote, before you sits a monster, an extreme aberration of a human being who has walked among us. Not even his wife of 20 years had any inkling of his dark and evil side his crimes numb the mind. Scathing. So he was only charged with the murders of four women. So even though he confessed to all of them, he was charged with the ones that the police already had like concrete evidence to. And those were for Sherry Morrow, jo Joanna Messina, Eklunata. Ek <sighs> Shit, I'm sorry. I wrote this in... Well, yeah, it's Eklutna, Annie, and Paula Goulding. 
I wrote down, I typed out a phonetic spelling and I just botched that. I apologize. Um, and then he was also charged with the kidnapping and the rape of Cindy Paulson. And so while it doesn't really sound like a lot, you know, only charged with like four out of 17, um, he was sentenced to 461 years in prison without the possibility of parole. So then after his sentencing, um, police took Hansen on a helicopter ride over the area where his cabin was, and he was able to identify additional grave sites beyond just the ones he was charged with, and he ultimately allowed the remains of an additional 12 women to be reunited with his families. And so now... Ah, shit, hold on. Okay, so now I'm going to read off a list of his known victims and how old they were. So we have, um, and then these are like his murder victims. So we have Cecilia Beth Van Santen, she was 17, Megan Emmerich, 17, Mary Kathleen Thill, 22, Ekletna Annie, who is between 16 and 25, Joanna Messina, 24, Roxanne Eastland, 24, Lisa Futrell, 41, Sherry Morrow, 23, Andrea Fish Atlery, 22, Sue Luna, 23, Robin Peckley, 19, Delyn Sugar Frey, 20, Paula Goulding, 30, Cindy Paulson, 17, Malay Larson, 25, Teresa Watson, 22, Angela Ferdin, 24, and Tamara Tammy Peterson, 20. Those are his known victims. Very, very, very young. The youngest was 16. So after his sentencing, Hansen spent the next three decades in prison until August of 2014, where he died at the age of 75 of natural causes from bad health. And that is the story of the Butcher Baker of Alaska. Hmm. That was a tough one. It's so creepy. Like the first time I read that, I thought it was like a fake story. Right. That's so, that sounds directly, oh, and there actually is a movie, it's called Frozen Ground, and John Cusack plays Robert Hansen, and Nicolas Cage plays, like, a cop that's finding him, um, but I actually couldn't find it streaming, so I haven't seen it, unless I just, I mean, all I did was search my Roku search function, so I didn't, like, look super hard, I'll just be honest. Yeah, um, my sources were Wikipedia and all that's interesting, I just like to use those for timelines. Um, an article by the New York Times, an Oxygen article, and an article by the Anchorage Daily News. It's tough, isn't it? Oh, is it? Mm-hmm. Listen, here's my logic. If I forget to lock my door at night and I get robbed, yeah, was it stupid that I didn't lock my back door? Yes, but it's not a crime to leave your door unlocked 
it's a crime to rob somebody. You know what I mean? So, and I mean, yeah, is sex work a crime? Yeah, sure. But that's not the point. Like, she does. nobody deserves to be raped or attacked or murdered. Like, that is still a crime. Even, like, nobody asks for it. Okay. I don't think I know this. Yeah. Well, you know, that's kind of interesting about the murders because, like, I remember seeing, somebody did a map one time and it talked about, like, the highest concentration of, like, murders and it was, like, a heat map almost and, of course, like, big cities and stuff, they lit up red because it's just a higher concentration of people. But if you look at, like, where national parks are and stuff, there's a ton because there's more places to, like, hide a body. And you would think that with Alaska, too, because it's, like, all wilderness, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and people have, like, fishing cabins, and it's literally you just fly out and you go fishing for the day and then you come back. And that's, like, a huge source of, I mean, people do that for a living, and that's how they make their money. Oh, that's nice. Listen, there's like nice private planes that are like the Teslas of cars, and then there's puddle jumpers that are like the Honda Civics. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, that's when my dad was born. Wait, what's his birthday? Oh, he's a couple months younger than my dad. Or was. We'll find out. Red flag. Who, listen, if your child has a fascination with firearms, as a child, 
ever, if you ever have a fascination with firearms, like, I'm sorry, you need to go to therapy. Yes. It's not enough. I'm just, like, I, just the fact that he was found guilty, I think, was... Yeah. Okay, have fun. Spend the rest of your money. Oh, okay. Yeah. Hmm. Still suspicious. I mean... listen are there some kids that could benefit from like military school absolutely is it nearly as many as we recruit probably not <laughs> they just need some therapy Any, everybody just needs to go to therapy go to therapy join a church not a cult a church like you'll be good to go Again? <gasps> That's on my bucket list. What are the seven, what are the new seven wonders? It's like the pyramids. That's really cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, that's, yeah. And also, how would you even pack, like, an Alaskan winter coat in- Like, that would take up your entire suitcase. <laughs> I love that. That's actually genius. You know, the Grand Canyon is also on my bucket list, and I was telling Rob, and he was like, it's just a big hole in the ground. And I'm like, shut up! Wow. 
Oh, I'm so happy for you. I'm gonna fly out and join you. <laughs> I love that. Mm -hmm. I'm just saying, I just, these are the types of people that we need gun control for. We're not tired to take them away from everybody, just maybe the people that shouldn't have them. Yeah. Coincidence? I think not. <laughs> hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness. Six? Holy cow. I can't do math, but that's like, I don't know, a fifth of the population or something.
Okay, I hate this guy, but that's kind of badass. That would be a good movie scene if they just decide to make a movie out of this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, wow. Oh. Yeah, our grandkids will find them in a hundred years. That is, so, I just, okay, picture a horror movie and it starts with just a bunch of bodies floating to the top and then like, I don't know, in the movie these bodies would like turn out to be zombies or something and they get unfrozen, it, but holy cow, that's creepy. Yeah, I mean, I get, like, the need to, like, okay, well, he's shooting at us, and, like, we're in danger. So, like, yeah! So, like, I get it. I'm not blaming anybody. But it does always suck when it's, like, they don't get an opportunity to, like, bring them to justice, to make them sweat it out, to make them sit through the trial and sit through, like, the retelling of all the horrible things that they had to do and face the families. Like, that did always suck. That, I mean, that is, like, a form of cowardice to me. Well, not exactly what he did. Like, he was killed by police. But, like, when some, when a murderer is caught and then they're like, well, I'm just going to kill myself. It's like, okay, so you literally can't even face the music. Based on, like, you're such a narcissist that you still... Like, bro, you're about to get your punishment and you're not going to like it. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Mm hmm That is so... And you can, like, pop bogs and, like... Oh, man. That's creepy. I bet there are so many bodies that have just been swallowed by bogs and we don't even know it.
You would like study bogs or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Every time I go to the science museum, I'm always like, I should have been a biologist in another life. And I always think I would love to do like forensics, but then I was reading Paul Holes's book and he was talking about like when they find a body that's just like dumped on the side of the road, it's like, okay, you have to go out there in 98 degree heat and sit there for six hours and take a ton of different photos and all this different evidence and nobody likes to do it and you're eaten alive by mosquitoes and bugs and whatever. And I was like, yeah, I wouldn't have done that. So I agree, but I think it's something that you just sort of get used to. I mean, it is, but it's also like, okay, think about it. When, like when you're a parent, like nobody wants to smell like poop all day, but when you're changing diapers all the time, it's like, you just sort of get used to it. But I still wouldn't want to do it. Oh, okay. Yes, I saw that yesterday at the gym. That's crazy. And I, I'm very happy for that. Assuming they have the correct evidence for it, which I believe they do. Like, I'm not saying I, I think he was just innocent off the bat. But if they really don't have any more charges to bring against him, then I think that's awesome. Yeah, I mean, I kind of want to, too. And Crime Junkie does an episode that's, like, what Serial didn't tell you. And it's, like, all the extra evidence that's sort of come out since then. Um, but that's just, like, a one-part episode. And even that's, like, a couple years old. So I'm sure there's more stuff since then. But it's really, really good. Yes. Okay. Um, I'm trying to think of what my good note is. Okay, let's hear it. Mm hmm Yes. Yeah. I love that. I miss that a lot because I don't, I mean, I love my friends that I have in Raleigh, but they're not like some of my best friends, I guess. And I don't, I literally texted my sister-in-law the other day because we're very, very close and I've been trying, they live in Savannah um, and I've been like trying to convince them to move to Raleigh and I finally just texted her and was like, so are y'all moving to Raleigh or are we moving to Savannah? Cause like something's got to give here. <laughs> and so I love that. Um, I think mine is that I am entering my cozy era. That's what I tell Rob all the time. And he hates it. Cause he's like, 
what the hell are you talking about? But I love it. And part of it is that like I work from home. So every morning I, even though I get like dressed for the day, I get to wear like comfy clothes and I get to like snuggle my cat. And I just like to sit home and like have my fall candles and read my little books and just sort of chill. And, um, oh, okay. Speaking of books, here's a random one. There is this book that I have been wanting to read. I actually took a screenshot of it from a TikTok over the summer and it's called The Benedict Society or something along those lines. It's like a YA book about a bunch of special kids that go to a boarding school, you know, whatever. And I had told myself, I was like, I've been spending way too much money on books. Like I can't keep doing this, whatever. I got a library card, but the library near me is really tiny. Rob and I went walking through our old neighborhood and there was a little free library and they had the book in there. And so I got to take it and I was very excited because usually when I find those, I'm like, oh, this book looks interesting and I'll just take that. But it had the exact book I wanted. So that's my good note. I know. I love it. So I'm probably going to start it maybe tonight, maybe tomorrow. Yes, I want one in my like yard one day. That's what I do. Like every time I clean out my bookcase, which is like twice a year. Um, well, originally I called the local library to see if I could donate them there. And they said no, which I thought was weird. So then I'll just take them. Like I just keep them in my car. And every time I see a little free library, I just drop two of them off. Yeah. The stack next to my bed is like. It's honestly embarrassing. <laughs> Only. Only six books. Yeah. It's upset. Obsessed. It's my favorite. So I've also entered my old fashioned season. That's sort of my like new favorite cocktail at the moment. So it's very interesting. I know I'm so grown up. This frontal lobe has finally grown in and I'm just, let's go. <laughs> yeah, we'll catch you next week with another horrible, awful story with a horrible theme. Yeah. We'll see you later. Bye.